0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Creative Sheep Podcast, the podcast where we talk to people who are good at what they do to inspire leaders to get better. Happy New Year, oh, everybody. Oh,
1: Happy New Year, indeed. It is 2016. I, I, We got all of our you know, pops and poppers on the New Year's party, Creative Sheep celebration. Did you drink some sparkling grape juice? I did, and it was delicious. Uh, we had a balloon drop. There was there was several cars that we gave away. That's not true. Celebration was incredible.
0: This is not accurate information, everybody. (laughs) But you are hearing the sultry voice of my best friend, my business partner, uh, the one and only Roman Johnson. Everybody,
1: hello, people. Hello, hello. If you don't know this about Roman, he is
0: actually a professional rapper.
1: It's true. Yes, I have been. uh, There has been currency exchanged for uh, the goods that I provide. In the rap game.
0: Specifically talking about rapping. Yeah, 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 several out on the interwebs. Feel free to go check them out. Uh, anyhow, uh, today's podcast, as usual, is brought to you by creativesheep.org, the place where you can go to find all of your church media needs. Stop by creativesheep.org. Folks, we're so excited to be kicking off 2016. We have an incredible interview for you today. Uh, Larry Hubatka, the creative pastor of Elevation Church in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, could not be more excited to have him on the show today. It was a, a phenomenal interview. Um, yes,
1: I was while, while we were uh, interviewing him, I was taking vigorous notes. Vigorous note taking was taking it, yeah, place. Yes, and uh, he he uh, approaches the creative process. Um, very differently than a lot of people, I think. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty systematic. Yep. And that's what I like about it. It, was, it is very,
0: very clean how they do things, even though he talks about how there's unclean uh, systems and what whatnot. Anyhow, don't want to get into all of that. Before we get to the interview, Roman, we have to do today's Shameless Plug.
1: Shameless pl- Plug. Shame- shameless, shameless Plug. Shameless Plug. Shame- shameless Plug.
0: Folks, like we said, creativesheep.org has all of your church media needs, and we've got some new pieces out there for you between our series packs um, and illustrations that we've got out there. One in particular, Roman, that we just released uh, just actually a couple of weeks ago, right before Christmas,
1: uh, is the, a piece called I Am Clean. That's right. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a motion graphics piece, and it's, it's simple in nature, but it's very, very powerful.
0: Very powerful. I love this piece personally because it's all about... Uh, ridding sin from your life, and not doing it in and of your own power, but how God is out on your side to help you get rid of it. He's cheering you on. Not He's not mad at you uh, because you've messed up. We all make mistakes, but this piece in particular is talking about how God uh, is cheering you on and that He's in your corner and He's rooting for you to be able to beat this because He doesn't want you to be held in bondage by anything. Um, and so I'm a huge fan of this piece. Uh, I, I love how this one turned out. So go check that out. We've got another one up there. Uh, the Bible has a ton to say about money. So there's actually a piece. Very simply put, it is called "What God
1: Says About Money." We've said it before. And we'll say it again. We like to keep it simple here at Creative Sheet. We
0: do like to keep it simple here. And this is just a piece. Uh, if you're if you're in a, a series this, this at the beginning of the year here, or really any time throughout the year, but especially uh, you know just people getting a, a, a renewal with their finances, God has a ton to say about money and. And how he wants to take care of that for us. So go check those pieces out. And of course, our series packs are out there uh, out at creativesheep.org. And that, folks, is today's Shameless Plug.
1: Shameless Plug.
0: Folks, couldn't be more excited to get to today's interview. Like we already said, we've got Larry Hubatka, the creative pastor of Elevation Church. Stephen Furtick's Church out in North Carolina has some amazing things to say about their creative process, how they operate, uh, their teams, how their team is structured, how they utilize volunteers uh, in their creative process. It's
1: very unique uh, when it comes to a creative team at a church. It's something mm-hmm. that I haven't seen um, the likes of with different churches that, I, that we've talked to uh, on our creative team. They handle it very differently, and I'm excited to get into it.
0: Yeah, it is a phenomenal interview. And so without giving anything away, folks, put your hands together, unless you're driving, Yeah, of keep course. it safe.
1: You don't want to crash off the road.
0: Uh, put your hands together for Larry Hubotka. Larry, thank you so much for joining us on the show today.
2: Yeah, thanks, Jared. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. So let's let's just go for it here. Give us a little backstory. Uh, you've been at Elevation now for a, a decade or close to a decade, is that right? Yeah, you know,
2: I have actually got here at the very beginning. So when the church started, there were eight families that moved to Charlotte to start the church. I wasn't one of those eight. My wife and I happened to move Uh, to charlotte from the northwest so we're from seattle and um, then to portland oregon and then charlotte back in 2005 but we moved out here for a different job originally was working for a tv network and we were working with pro athletes and surfing and skateboarding and, and snowboarding and it was awesome in a lot of ways it was a dream job but we ended up in charlotte we found the church online and like the irony behind this whole thing is that we found the church because there are so many churches in Charlotte that we had to start just filtering online based on websites. And I'm sure we missed lots of great churches, but you got, you got to do something. So we started filtering churches and, um, we found Elevation Church because of the website and the website had this song playing, which is like everything I'm opposed to now, like having songs (laughs) automatically playing when you fire up a website. But you know what? Praise God. And I, I (laughs) got my attention and and Pastor Steven and I even laugh about it to today that 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 song on that site from an old album is the thing that hooked me. And now, you know, I oversee uh, digital as part of our, our creative responsibilities here at the church. So just a funny small world. But that's how we ended up finding the church back in 2005. We were here before, yeah. I guess, technically before we even started Sunday mornings in February 06. So in a lot of ways. You know the the families that were here would probably consider our families one of the original families, but you know we we kind of came in the second wave, right? Right as the church was getting started, but we've been here for ten years now, and and on staff for about the last eight, and it's been uh, it's been awesome.
0: Very cool, very cool. So I guess to jump back, maybe even a little bit further, how did sure. you? How long have you been a Christian? How long? How, how, kind of, what's your story of meeting Jesus?
2: Gotcha. Okay, so I um. I'm 39 right now, as of um, December 2015. So hey, happy uh, birthday! Me- yeah, thanks. Um, des- uh, I'm sorry. I'm 39, meaning um, as of December 2015. I got gotcha. you. So my birthday was my birthday was in October. <laughs> well, happy birthday
0: several months ago. <laughs>
2: yeah. So uh, married 15 years, have four kids, all girls. And, uh, my wife and I met when, um, we were in college. So university of Washington forever ago. So 20 years ago, um, I graduated from high school in 94. I'm kind of bouncing around all over the place, but it'll give you like a little bit of a picture of, of how I got here. Graduated from high school in 94 in Washington state and, um, went to college and my very first day in college, I was sitting through freshman orientation at Pepperdine university and, um, and had been involved with, with Young Life, if you're familiar with that ministry, yeah. Um, through high school, and never gave my life to the Lord, but had great relationships with the leader. So big plug for Young Life. I really loved the way that that ministry you know, ministered to me. But went to camps, did everything. Never gave my life to the Lord. But first day in college at freshman orientation, I was actually listening to Josh McDowell, and I had no idea who the guy was. And it's funny when I think back on it, because he was talking to a bunch of freshmen at Pepperdine, and he, and he was... I don't even know what he said. All I remember him saying is, hey, you're a freshman. If you want to get a fresh start today, you should do it because, you know, a lot of freshmen get STDs. And And I was like, whoa, what is going on here? (laughs) He was talking about all these different things about, like, paths you can take. He's like, or you can give your life to Christ. I was like, I think I should do that. And I was literally sitting by myself in an auditorium with, I don't know, 800 freshmen. And I just, you know, in my heart, I just said, yes, God, I want to do that. And, you know, I consider that the day that I gave my life to Christ. And um, so that would have been August 94. So, yeah, about 20 years ago. And, um, you know, the irony behind the whole thing is I feel like God took me out of the environment that I was in, sent me away to California for a year. I was only there for a year and I transferred back up to University of Washington where I reconnected with all my friends and lived with them. But God kind of took me out of it and said, I got something for you um, really fell in love with God, started to develop, a, develop an interest in the local church, and then went back into kind of my old, uh, circles of friends. And I don't know, I guess I was a different person then, but that was the, the very beginning for me. And then kind of discovered in my own timing through college, what it looked like to, to, um, you know, walk with God and, and, uh, obviously been doing it ever since.
0: Very cool. Very, very cool. I love that it was a, uh, you can either get the STDs or you can have Jesus. It was one or the other.
2: For, for real, I mean, that's—I don't—I don't, I mean, I probably am butchering it. If Josh McDowell ever hears this, he's probably going to be like, come on, man, that's not my message. <laughs> but I, I, that's all I remember, so whatever. That's what the Holy Spirit had for me that day. Like, <laughs> dude, you don't want STDs. You want to be a Christian. And I was like, yeah, I think I do. I think you're right.
0: Yes. And Josh McDowell, if you're listening, we are we're clearly uh, joking here. Please don't hate us. Um <laughs> So, so now you're, you're fast forward here. Like you said, you're married, uh, you have four yes. daughters.
1: That, four daughters.
0: Is, that is something right there. Yep.
2: Yeah. So we've got eight, 10, 12 and a 14 year old. So four girls and they're all kind of evenly spaced. You know, we, my wife, Kelly and I decided that we wanted to be younger parents if we had the option. So, you know, I mean, we were trying I mean, I was always trying, I guess, but <laughs> we, we, we ended up, um, you know, getting pregnant pretty quickly so within the and by the end of our first year of marriage uh, we were pregnant with our first daughter so we have a Riley, Lily, Audrey and Lucy four girls awesome. and um and you know I didn't come from a big family I have one sister who's 5 years older and uh, I don't know what it was but I just I had in my brain that I would love to have a big family and and we were both 23 when we got married and i was like hey babe if we get pregnant on the honeymoon man i'm good i just i'm ready to have a family <laughs> i don't i don't even know where that came from because you know we i didn't i didn't draw that from anything it wasn't even my personal experience but i guess that's just how god wired me and we ended up having kids pretty quick and we had um all of our kids by the time we were 30 wow. and you know we've got one in high school one in middle school a couple in elementary school and it's all we know you know i always meet people who are like make me mad because they're like, Hey, I'm so sorry. When they hear that we have four, gr- when we have four girls, I'm like, man, you need to just not put your junk and your garbage and your baggage on me, man. If you don't, if you think that's crazy, cool. That's not what God had for you, but it's what we know and we love it. And, and, you know, it's a different story than other people have to tell, but it's our story. So it's, um, it's pretty, it's fantastic.
0: That's incredible. I hear that, uh, game nights, specifically board game nights yeah, we at love your them. house are, are a big deal.
2: Well, I've been like dying for my kids to come of age and become board game players. <laughs> so <laughs> we started. We started by playing. Um, I don't know, Sorry, and um, you know games that were like a little easier to play. Yeah. And because the range is now eight to fourteen. Even our eight-year-old has kind of like finally jumped into. I can pretty much play anything the family plays, which is awesome for me. But we played Sorry, and then we escalated to Clue, and then Monopoly, and I love all these like. Risk, Settlers of Catan kind of games. And just in the last year, all of us can play um, Settlers together, which is like, again, one of the greatest moments of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Proud dad that moment. Yeah, that everybody can be playing. And they like it, which is cool.
0: That is Almost awesome. all of them
2: like it three of the kids like it one of them is like yeah I'll play because everybody else is here <laughs> that's so but, cool
0: though making some amazing memories that's awesome yeah it's
2: awesome and I'm, I'm definitely like a no mercy kind of dad where I'm like nah I'm never ever gonna let you win so <laughs> <laughs> so, so you better figure out how to play this or else you're gonna lose for the rest of your life <laughs> and and um, they're good I mean even my eight year old she almost beat us the other day and I was like wow this is like a lot faster than I was expecting <laughs> <laughs>
0: I can respect that. I can respect that. Well, I, I just
2: think—I I mean, it's a little bit like. Um, um, sorry, I'm going off on this. I just no, not I at can, all. I feel I feel pretty strongly about this topic. I do not care for um, trophies for participation. I'm much more like, "Hey man, you, just." I think I probably hinder you in life as if you're one of my kids. If I, if I, um, you know. They, if I, uh, affirm you for just participating and making an effort, I'm like, yeah, you should make an effort for sure. But I, I don't want you to feel like everything gets handed to you. In fact, I was, I was the soccer coach for one of my daughters. And I remember at the end of the season, this is when she was probably six or, or so. And I remember at the end of the season, we had one of the kids on the team who was like, um, so coach, um, do we all get trophies? And I remember turning to him and saying, Hey, you get trophies if you win. You don't. You don't get. You do for participating. So I don't know. We probably lost half the half the people who are tuned in who are like, "Wow, he's so harsh." But I just think I do you a disservice if I coddle you too much, whether you're one of my kids or 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 you know somebody who works for me in the creative department or as a part of the staff. So,
0: anyways. I think, I think that if, if, if you get nothing else from this podcast, that was worth it right there. Yeah, right. <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> good. Uh, uh, all right. Well, hey, let's jump in here uh, to the Elevation Creative Team. So okay. what it, what it, are, is your title Creative Director, or do you, do you hold a different title than that?
2: Uh, my official title is Creative Pastor. Okay. Sometimes I can't say that to people because they, they don't have any context for what it actually means. So, you know, creative pastor for us really does operate a lot like a creative director. Some churches have a creative arts pastor or a uh, creative pastor who, who maybe oversees more of the worship and the, the programming in the, um, in the worship experience or in the service for us. I play the role of creative pastor, which really is more like a creative director, meaning I oversee um, design, marketing, communications, um, brand management for us. So a little, a little more, maybe um, uh, more closely resembles like what you'd find in the general market. But yep, yeah, that's my role.
0: So to some degree, you're an ad agency for your church.
2: Yeah, that's right. That's, okay, that's um, the model we decided to to build out early on. And Pastor Stephen said, if if you know, it's one of the very best things about my specific role. I'm sure this will come up at some point. You know, what do you, what do you like about your job? But I feel like. I have so much freedom in what I get to do because one pastor Stephen believes in, in, um, presentation and, you know, how we package a message. So because he loves it, I obviously get a lot of liberties that, you know, maybe other people in similar roles don't always get, but man, it is so, so, so helpful. But all the way back to the very beginning when he said, so how do you want to build this thing? And I gave him my best suggestion and said, this, this agency model is one I really, think will work for us. And he said, go for it. If you, if you think it can work, do it. And may not always be this, but we've done this for about the past you know, eight, nine years or so since I've been on staff and it's working great.
0: That's awesome. That's one thing I love. Uh, Frank Buehler was on the uh, the podcast on episode. You know four, we call 14. Frank
2: Frank and Beans, don't you? <laughs> we call Frank. Bieler. That's Frank incredible. Frank and Beans. Well,
0: uh, Frank and Beans was on the the podcast episode fourteen, nice. and uh, nice. that what what I love about this is that uh, you're echo, echoing something he said, and where where he's your family past your family pastor, I think is his title,
1: correct. Um,
0: uh, he, you're saying the same thing and that it sounds like elevation is very much about giving ownership away, obviously, appropriately, and uh, once people are vetted, but very much about giving ownership away and letting you run and do what you do.
2: Yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's, it's like a lot of things. I mean, if you're in the corporate world, I think it, it still rings true. I think the principle is your performance is what garners your freedom most of the time. Hmm. If, you, if you have freedom, you um, and you, you handle it well and you're responsible with it, I think, you know, your supervisors, your, your superiors, your boss, or your pastor is probably going to say, okay, you, you are probably doing something right. So I think I'm going to kind of, so I'm going to stay on this track and continue to give you options and, and let you make decisions. I mean, even in parenting, I feel like next to, you know, for, for me as a parent of girls, next to my kids, really falling in love with Jesus and living their lives for him. And then, you know, maintaining their purity, um, until, until marriage, I would say that, I pray that they would learn to be responsible with the freedom they have. Right at the top of the list, because I, I just think if you can learn that at a young age, you're in good shape. Mm -hmm. You're in really good shape because nobody's gonna is gonna come in and well, maybe they are in some roles, but ideally, no one's gonna come in and regulate for you. If you can learn how to self-regulate and say, I know what I'm responsible for and I can manage this. I can, you know, even in little things, I can get up in the morning. I can get to work on time. I can hit a deadline even if nobody's asking. I can return a phone call if somebody, if I told somebody I'm going to do it, which, you know, I'm not good at all these things. I'm, I'm always trying to improve, but that's kind of like the, in a lot of ways, the secret sauce. If you can figure out how to manage your freedom really well, well, cool, Your boss. I mean, I know for people who report to me, the people who do a great job, I'm like, awesome, do more of it. This is like straight out of the Bible, um, faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much. I'm like, if you can manage a little bit of freedom, cool, you're going to have a lot more. And and it it is absolutely what Pastor Stephen has built. He's like, man, I want to hire good people. I want to trust them, but it's on you. You got to you got to show me that it was a good decision. And if we do it, he's like, cool. Let's keep doing it.
0: That's awesome. So good. Uh, I, I love what you what you led with all of that. The performance garners freedom. That man, that's incredible.
2: It has to. How else does it work? I mean, if you if you go the other way, you have. Uh, superiors or bosses who are telling you everything that you're supposed to be doing. And if that's the case, then go hire less expensive people who can just do production work who don't know how to think and get more work done because you have a couple decision makers who make all the decisions, which, you know, I mean, maybe in some seasons you have to do that. And even some supervisors have to like really tighten the reins and, and, um, and be a part of every decision making decision made for a season. And, and, That happens, I think, for a season. But ultimately, the goal is like, man, free people up and let them go do the things that you hired them to do. Go create, go build, go make good decisions, mess up in the process and learn well from it and make new decisions next time or new failures next time.
0: Man, that's good. So good. So with your team, uh, let, let's kind of break this down first, and we're, we're definitely going to get to the ad agency and kind of your creative process. But cool. with your team, I guess first and for- foremost, how many people are on your team, on staff, whether full-time or part-time?
2: Okay. Um, I'm going to give you a general number because we've got you know a couple people in flux, meaning they're part-time or they're interns. Um, full-time paid staff in the creative department would be about 35 Wow. Um, th- there are um, depending on the season, we do three different terms every year um, for interns. So typically people in like the 18 to 25 year old range that can come in and and intern in any of the different departments they just you know do like an online applica- application and we keep that going on a rolling basis all year long. Interns we might have uh, five to 10. I don't know, four to ten at any given time, based on the different term. Summer is always bigger because you know people are typically out of school and looking for internships. Sure. Fall and spring tend to be a little bit lighter, but the, yeah, the department's big, and this is where I say that on a staff of approximately, let's say one sixty 160 or one sixty-five or so, you know, we have a a, a big department, and it's because Pastor Stephen places a premium on making sure we we present this message well.
0: Wow. That's incredible. Do, do volunteers play a role in with a creative team at all?
2: Yep, they do. And, you know, I'll, I'll describe it and it's probably going to sound like it's like this big dialed system and it's really nice and clean and it's, it's not, it's not that, um, it's not that perfect. So to give you some context, the 35 or so in the creative department, um, for us would be, uh, most, the biggest team would be the two film teams and video teams so that's where we've got the most people in um, uh, graphic design, motion graphics or animation, audio. So audio engineers, sound design, digital also falls up underneath creative. The way that we have our our um, department structured, so anything related to the digital footprint for the church, whether it's a you know kind of a flagship property or it's an app, um, that all falls under digital. And then there's a whole project management team, and the project management team is. Um, uh I don't know seven, I guess I have to count seven or eight people. And I mean they're they're exactly what you think they're kind of managing the traffic control. In fact that the project management team would be like the the reason the creative department can succeed right. because they they would handle the operational side where you know creative people are awesome and you know also in large part some of the most disorganized people you'll ever, you'll ever meet right and and you do find hybrids. we definitely have some people on our teams who are like, Awesome at both sides of it, but generally you have to have complimentary people who make it work. So, you know, that, that's how it's broken up. To answer your question with volunteers, we made a goal in 2014 to say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, 2015. This is this year. No, we no, we started the goal in 2014. That's right. And then we the end of the goal was by June 2015, we wanted 100 volunteers on our rosters in the creative department. So this is where it's going to sound like it's really dialed in, and it, it's not, but it does work. It does. It is helpful. We said we wanted 100 people who are in our system, in our database, that were um, able to actively contribute. And I can walk through some of the the way that we would uh, acquire and, and just procure volunteers. If it's helpful, you let me know. Yes, please. But we put yeah, we put a roster together and said uh, we need people on on multiple tiers who can contribute. So the way that I always think about this, even though it's a little more unofficial is there really are always going to be three tiers of volunteers here. Let's just say a, B and C for the sake of conversation, a would be your, I mean, your a list talent, super accomplished, really good at what they do. Probably love the church, um, active in the church, but because they're really good at what they do, probably not as readily available, probably not going to be as consistent in terms of, when they can um, make a a regular uh, meeting or an event. And you hope that they would, but you also, you know, you know that some people, let's say you're a freelance um, guy or a hired gun and your job takes you out of town. Well, sure. You want to be at an event that we're doing, but if you're, uh, if you got a week long job at an agency, because you're good and you're in demand, then you just, you may not be as available. So there's that, that tier A talent, which Usually a super talented, you can't necessarily hand responsibility off to them because they just, they're not available. And that's such a big part of being able to volunteer, but awesome when you can get them and you just know that if your expectation is they can contribute, but they can't really take charge of certain situations. Cool. Then there's B level, um, a B tier, not B level, but B tier talent, which, um, you know, maybe they do it for a living. Maybe they don't, maybe they work for a organization or maybe they're freelancing, but they are, um, a little more available. It really has to do with availability. Less than ta- less talent, more availability. But they are available. They can be at our weekly or bi-weekly functions that we have or events that we have. Um, this is really the most helpful kind of tier when it comes to volunteers because they're people that you can hand off full projects to. And maybe not every kind of project, but they can definitely handle a project start to finish depending on who the person is. So that would be kind of like your B-level talent. Um, if they're not doing it for a living, they're at least talented enough to do it, or they can manage and lead well enough to do it. And then the the C tier would be people who probably don't have the experience of the other two tiers, maybe no experience at all, but they're really excited and they'd really love to do something in creative. And that tier, in my opinion, has to exist because you you have to have an entry point for people who want to come in and be a part. And for us, that's about cultivating people for the future. So think of tier C would be like a pipeline. Mm. So that's, that's somebody that you're going to walk with for probably several years. And if we do it right and we're, we're discovering how to do it right now, we're not – I don't think we'd do it great again. But this is, uh, this is somebody who says, man, I always wanted to do graphic designer. I always thought I could contribute to a marketing um, initiative or concept. Cool, get them in the mix. And if they, if they show up and do their part and they're kind of around for a year or two – You probably can develop a skill set in them that they can really contribute and become kind of a tier B contributor, or they develop their skill set enough, depending on how motivated they are, where they could probably make a shift and jump into doing something like this for a living. Wow! So that's the way that, again, it's unofficial, but that's the way that I think about it. So that tier B is like gold. So when we set this goal for 100 volunteers, um, we hit it, ironically, I mean, over half of them were photography volunteers because, <laughs> in, in, in my opinion, I don't know, do you ever watch Portlandia?
0: I have seen yeah. it a few times.
2: <laughs> okay, cannot condone it, for the record, but it's a very <laughs> it's a very funny show. So Port, Portlandia, and being from Portland, it, it makes sense, but they, they did a sketch where they were at one point talking about how everybody was a DJ. So everybody who had a phone <laughs> or a DJ app or a laptop was a DJ. Well, I kind of feel that way now about photographers i'm like everybody thinks they're a photographer so when we put our our um volunteer roster together i mean literally it was like 50 60 maybe 70 people were photographer photography volunteers because they're like i own a camera i totally want to do this i shot a friend's wedding one time i'm like oh man okay well come on (laughs) and it's um it's actually a pretty good category to have have be the most robust category it's really helpful but it also um you know, you have to know what you're working with. Not everybody's a good photographer. Um, uh, right now they have, I mean, I'm sure everybody's got the potential to do that, but there is a, a small minority that are, you know, are really great photographers and it's because they're experienced and they've been doing it for a long time. And they're, you know, a lot of them are doing it for a living. Anyways, we got that, that volunteer roster of a hundred and, um, not all of them volunteer all the time. They basically, we, you know, we try to, we try to say, um, if you're actively volunteering at least once a month, then we'll keep you on the roster but the truth is we're, we're not auditing that roster religiously every single month. So it probably happens, I don't know, maybe a couple times a year at best. Hmm. But that's that's the expectation. We're trying to make sure that it that it's a real roster. We don't feel good about ourselves that we can say hey, we have 100 people and there's really 12 people who do something. Wow. So the photography people are pretty active. The other, let's just say, 30 or 40 are people who are very sporadic. They definitely don't all volunteer once a month. A lot of it depends on projects that we have, but we try to incorporate people as frequently as we can. It's easier for people to jump in and do things like graphic design than it is for somebody to jump in and take on an animated piece or a, um, you know, a film project or an audio project. But you have, to, you have to be committed to saying some of these categories and some of these um, areas just – it is what it is. It just requires people to be a little bit more invested. Projects are longer – Um, they have to be able to give you a little more time, even if it's collectively, um, in order to really contribute. So it, you know, it, it works. It's just, um, it's a work in progress, I think.
0: Yeah. Wow. Now to jump back to something you said, just, first of all, I love that you, the, the analogy you used of. well, I shot a, I've, I photoed a friend's wedding once. I'm a photographer.
2: Oh my Uh, gosh. It's so true. Yeah.
0: Uh, You said a minute ago uh, for these 100 creative volunteers that they come to a weekly or biweekly function that you guys have. Can you explain a little more of what that is?
2: Yeah, no problem. Um, So we originally saw what I think several churches were doing this. um, Pretty sure it was inspired from what Hillsong was doing originally with their creative team. I think they call it team night. Um, mm, yep. where, where where they get people together. And I, you have to forgive me if the, if the details aren't right, but I think they do it every week. And when we had a conversation with them originally, they said, you know, we just, we want people who are committed at that at that level. If they can come every week, that's great. Well, for us, that wasn't necessarily the, the model that we wanted to duplicate, but we definitely were inspired by it. So we created something called Forward, F-O-U-R, W-A-R-D, Forward. And we brought the four areas of the church together that are, most connected to the creative side to the church. So that would be worship, creative production. So live event production and tech. So those four areas get together. And obviously there's a play on words. We're trying to figure out how the four areas together can move the church forward.
1: Mm.
2: So, so that, that event has, it's kind of evolved over the last maybe year, year and a half where it started originally was, I I honestly can't remember if we did it every week or every other week. I want to say we did it every other week, but I don't remember. Either way, it's not every week now. And uh, we did it every other week, and the idea was get that team together because on the weekends, typically when they're volunteering, um, they're, you know, they're focused, they're volunteering, they're not getting a lot of time to kind of just hang and get to know each other. So we said, let's create an event where we can develop the camaraderie um, and, and really help people but also train people at the same time. So it really feels like a um, – it feels a little bit like a worship experience for us or like a, like a service where we – get people together at 6.30. From 6.30 to 7, they're just kind of mingling. There's some very light refreshments provided. From 7 to 8 is basically our time together where it's primarily worship, um, a little 15-minute devotional by different people representing different departments. We try to always honor people from each of the areas. So for kind of a a form of public affirmation to really make sure we're, we're recognizing people and reinforcing the right values that we want people to really know we stand for. And then at 8... There is, depending on on what area you're in, there's typically some kind of a breakout where you do the training, and that would be like eight to nine, different for different areas. But you might teach somebody how to, um, if you're in production, like physically run a computer and know how to operate the pro presenter software so you can manage the screens during a worship experience. If you're in worship, you might be um, doing a, a drum tutorial. You might be doing something on uh, – Uh, voice lessons and voice coaching. If you're in um, tech, you might be figuring out how to program lights. If you're in creative, you might be literally working on projects. So we we do that every other week. And then over time, it's evolved even more so. So now we do um, every other week. One week is like real heavy, everybody together. Um, We do these breakouts and these labs. And the off weeks, now we spend a lot of time just trying to get get teams together because we've got multiple locations. We're trying to manage that now. How does this work? And so we really try to let people have some freedom and get together at their local campuses and really just do more of team building on those, those, um, you know, once a month is that once a month is everybody together for worship and breakouts. And then creative specifically, what we discovered was we were trying to figure out how to like invest in our volunteers and really like, speak life into them and 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 help them and coach them and (laughs) we kept getting feedback from everybody pretty quick like hey that's cool we don't really want to do that we just want to help with some projects what can we do to like put us to work and I was like oh okay wow it's kind of like it's not what I expected yeah but that's what that's what the volunteers were saying like let us contribute let us make a difference and I was like okay cool so the upside is we're discovering that most people want to want to learn on their own and and Part of it is you know, we're kind of in an age where I think people have access to information more than they've ever had. So they don't need us to be like experts coaching them and teaching them how to do things. They can go figure it out. They can watch tutorials. They can you know figure out how to be a designer on YouTube if they watched enough videos, truthfully. And then you just spend some time practicing. So it's not like they really want us to coach them, even though we, we do have kind of um, uh, constructive conversations about how to improve and refine your skill most of the time people are like, I just, I love this church. I want to contribute. I want to be a part. I want to make a difference. So now for the creative department, after worship on those Wednesday night, um, uh, Wednesday forward events, we do what we call a lab and we just get to work and you probably have, Oh, I don't know. Let's just say, uh, 200 people show up to forward, maybe, uh, 30 of those or so would be creative team volunteers. And I don't know if that number's correct, but, I mean, let's just say it's 30. Maybe it's 20 to 30. Sure. But they literally come and they just get to work. And we work on projects. And sometimes we're working on marketing campaigns. Sometimes we're working on uh, kind of lower-level graphic design projects that you can knock out in an hour or two. And it really is Wednesdays, 8 o'clock as soon as worship is done until whenever people want to leave. And sometimes it's an hour. People take off pretty quick. Sometimes it's, like, three or four hours. And you'll get, like, high school kids who are here, and they're just, like— you know they love it. They couldn't get enough of it, and they'll hang for three hours and and tackle some some um, like film projects. It's just it's it's pretty cool because it's you really begin to see what it what it looks like to develop a pipeline.
0: Man, this is incredible. That's- yeah, we love
2: it. it. It Again, it sounds it sounds like it's so dialed in, it's perfect. It's really not. And sometimes you know volunteers show up and they're supposed to RSVP so we know who's coming, but they they show up without RSVPing, and then we realize that we don't have. Um, uh, a staff member who's here who can actually help them or coach them. Or if they do show up, sometimes we give them projects that are not beneath them, but um, maybe we didn't think through the project well enough on the front end. And so it, it really doesn't value them, kind of wastes people's time. And that's happened before too. So we're, we're trying to refine it all as we go. And what, what is good is the system is the, the bones to the system are great. That volunteers have a place to come. They have a place where they can contribute and we can develop some great relationships. So that works.
0: That's fantastic. Um, So and this is a little bit of an offshoot. So do you guys, your your service schedule, do you have every Wednesday night service?
2: Nope, we don't have a Wednesday night. So we do one on Saturday night, two Sunday morning, um, and one Sunday night. And depending on the location, you might not have a Saturday or Sunday night. Gotcha. But we we, we tried to make a point of of very early on as a church to not uh, occupy everybody's every night of the week. So we're pretty sensitive to it, and so if we're going to actually commit to something, we, we um, you know, we just we try to be thoughtful and mindful of people's schedules. And it's cool if you work at the church because we come here and do this. But I mean, let's be honest: most of the people that are volunteering are full-time uh, employees somewhere, and they have to come after work and sacrifice time with family and friends and and uh, whatever else they want to commit to to be a part of this. So if we're not going to steward their time well, then you know this is another one of those like faithful with little. If God has given us people and their schedules to be a part of stewarding, we got to do it well or else I feel like God will give it to somebody else.
0: That's really good. So now the way you're structured, we touched on this a little bit ago. You guys you guys function in more of an ad agency approach in that there's not a separate creative team for kids or or youth. Um, It is one creative team.
2: Yes. And so so, the way that... Go go ahead. ahead. Well, the way it's structured now is, I mean, it really does feel like a, a, uh, almost like a third party agency, but you know, everybody obviously is very connected to the staff. It's not like we're in our own building or anything like that. We're part of the staff like everybody else. But if you look at it on paper, that's the way it works, that there is an agency and every department is a client. So the different clients would be, um, uh, the administrative team would be a client. Um, campuses, individual campuses would be a client. Guest services would be a client. Um, we call it e-groups, but our small groups ministry would be a client. Kids ministry would be a client. Students would be a client. And then you also have the main worship experience. You have Pastor Stephen's office. You have um, the worship department. So you've got all these different clients, and obviously you got some exceptions. Like you know, Pastor Steven would be like one of the um, the principals in the in the agency. So you know, he he's going to have a we're going to approach his, his work differently than we're going to approach just a standard client. But you've got all these different clients and we tried to create a system that we thought would scale as we grew. And it's so far so good. And uh, something that would allow everybody to take advantage of the fact that we are, you know, really generously resourced as a creative department. So if kids ministry, for example, wants a a piece of let's just say it's print collateral created something that they want to hand out to their parents that says, here's, here's, here's the upcoming schedule for the, for the spring. Well, they would submit a project request. So we literally have an online form that we created. Um, it's nothing special, um, in terms of, of using some like crazy software or anything. It's a, it's a foo form. And, uh, they answer, you know, a handful of questions. And depending on how they answer, they might have to answer other qualifying questions That request gets submitted to the creative department. We ask for a 21 day lead time and Thursdays at two, I'm sorry, Thursdays at noon is our cutoff. And if you miss Thursday at noon, so let's say you got it in at five on Thursday, we would technically um, receive your request. We technically receive your request the following Thursday. So that would be the beginning of your 21 days. Mm. Now Again, I'm not, I'm not, i um, going to say it, it's a perfect system, but that is at least the structure that's built. And we, we've stuck with it for, for many years now, and it seems to be working. So three weeks to turn it around. And then once it's in the system, uh, we've got project management teams that are managing it. If we need to basically do a consult with you, we do something called a date with Kate. And um, um, Kate is C-A-T-E, where we just we clarify any expectations you might have. We define all the action steps that we need you as the client to take. We um, firm up the timeline and then um, look at any expectations that may be non-negotiable or that we haven't thought of. So it's just it's a simple consult. It's it's not that it, the, the structure is not um, brand new. It's not like we created it, but it works for us. So then once the consult is done, if it's required, then we you know we go from there and, and just go into production and try to deliver whatever is needed to whoever requests it. I would say that generally our philosophy is. We want a yes mentality. If you need it, we want to try to do it. Most of the time it's yes, but there um, might have to be some concessions just to make sure it, it flows correctly and everybody gets their um, their request done in a timely manner. But sometimes you have to prioritize certain things and you can talk to some departments and they're like, hey, we get bumped all the time or we get bumped occasionally. And it's because you've got to prioritize somewhere. What we, what we are doing going into this next year, we're trying something that, that hopefully will help spread some of the responsibility and the weight and maybe the accountability around. The biggest uh, deficiency to our model is that there's not a um, – you know, if, you, if, you if you went to work with a regular agency, just like you went to hire somebody off the street, they'd say, yeah, we can do whatever you want. But there's a currency that has to exchange hands. And the currency is really the accountability. If you said, can you do this? They're like, yep, no problem. It'll be $10,000. And you said, great, we'd love to do it. And then you came back to them and wanted revisions. They might have included a round or two of revisions, but then if you kept coming back and saying, well, I just don't like it quite yet. I don't really love it. Can you tweak this? They'd be like, yeah, no problem. It'll just be another $3,000. The client would then make a decision and say, you know what, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. And then the next time they'd come to the table, they would be a little more prepared knowing, okay, if I make any more than a couple of rounds of revisions, we're going to end up paying for this so we got to be smart we got to do uh, better work in advance we got to be more prepared going into this so we're trying to create that model uh, with our with our different departments and different clients now by using almost what we call a credit system where every department is given a quarterly budget of so many credits the credits are you know kind of loosely based on hours and seasons in the church so it's not like 1 hour is 1 credit necessarily, but it is it is um, heavily influenced by the you know just the hours that we have, number of people, how many design hours they do a week, what's our total capacity, and then trying to divvy that up to different people. So these credits then are, are, and we're literally just doing it right now, I'm sending an email today to tell everybody what their budgets are for the first two quarters of 2016. And we'll see how it works. I hope it works well. But it at least creates some accountability. So you now know the resources you have to work with. And if you lose, if you use them, then great, create what you want. Once they're gone, they're gone. Because right now there's not a lot of a, um, uh, mechanism in place that says, if you want a hundred projects, you can submit a hundred projects. And we're going to try to say yes, because we just trust that you've thought through this and you actually need these to make your ministry really function at the highest level. So this now creates some accountability to say, we have finite resources as we continue to grow. Let's give people the responsibility of saying, I'm going to prioritize what's most important and submit those things first. And then if I have other um, projects I need to take care of, cool, I'll do that afterwards. But it just, it helps us so everybody carries the weight versus everybody saying, let's just throw our requests for all these different projects into the magic creative machine. And hopefully it'll just spit out the things that we want, which is you know what a lot of people run into.
0: This is a really cool system. This is this is this is super helpful just for me personally. Um, so, I guess then, once these projects are submitted, how how frequent are your creative meetings?
2: So, regarding specific projects, it would be based on the project. If it's really involved, you might have to have a project manager and some designers and a client sit down together for clarification. So, it would always be project to project based on uh, um, a specific request that came in. If you're talking about just standard meetings that we have every week, Mondays are generally our big meeting day. So on Monday, um, just to start we're off on Fridays. A lot, I know a lot of churches are off on Mondays. We, do, we take Fridays off um, going into the weekend. But on Mondays, is really our start the week right. I will meet with the four people who report to me first thing Monday morning. So I have a communications director, a creative director, a digital director, and then the person who oversees all of project management. So our lead project manager, those four report to me and I'll meet with them first on uh, Monday mornings. And it really is a development time. We're not talking about projects. We're not talking about specific or details. It's a development time to make sure that we're, we're all synced up and going the right direction. Then um, they will go and meet with their specific uh, team. So all the different uh, people that they oversee and they may do use it for development time. They may use it for practical, logistical, operational stuff. And then I'll bring everybody back together, who has a super, or has a direct report. So all the supervisors, they all come back into a meeting for me. That's, and that's about an hour meeting. And I, I literally I call it the super meeting for all the super supervisors. And that's where we talk about anything that's really big picture that I need all of them to know. So this would be like keep all of us in sync. And it's also where we talk about specific projects that everybody in the room has, who's supervising people needs to be familiar with. So this past week, we didn't talk a whole lot about specific projects, but we talked about what does quarter one look like for us. And we walked through the seven or eight priorities in quarter one, and I tried to give some um, uh, clarity to the things that are important to me and why so that people understood, okay, cool, now I can kind of build my priorities around what the department priorities are. And so we do that meeting, we break from there and then we do a full department meeting with everybody for 30 minutes on Mondays. And, um, that is just get everybody together. Typically it's like a little bit of inspiration and a little bit of, um, um, practical, but that all happens between nine and noon on Monday. So we just, we stack Monday mornings with everybody's in meetings. And so we're all in meetings at the same time. And we go back to back to back with different groups of people. Everybody meets with everybody they need to. And then Um, we're done with our meetings for the week, our big team meetings. And now some departments will do like dailies and touch base throughout the week, or they'll have to uh, reconvene for other things. But if we can chart the course on Mondays, first half of the the day, then hopefully everybody's set in motion for the week.
0: That's terrific. Um, and then I, I saw on, uh, I, I can't remember if it was Twitter or Instagram, uh, you guys do a monthly, I think you call it the flying V. Yeah, right. We call it flying V. Okay. It, so that it, would be—is it derived from the Mighty Ducks?
2: Well, it probably was inspired by the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> <laughs> probably more inspired by a message that Pastor Stephen preached, where he gotcha. was talking about flying in formation, which is you know same thing that the Mighty Ducks were about. But we just—it's it, our monthly creative meeting with Pastor Stephen. So it's the only time that that creative gets together with Pastor Stephen, and it really is only a handful of us from creative, um, about the same from worship, a couple people from production and tech. And it's just to stay synced up. It's to talk really big picture with him. It's to talk about programming, make sure we're on the same page. But are we in formation? Are we all prioritizing the same things the, the same way? We'll preview assets. So we, try to be, we try to have everything um, finished for the first preview two and a half weeks out. So if I'm going to show something this weekend, then hopefully we'll have seen it two and a half weeks ago for the first time. And then you might make a couple of rounds of revisions, but we'll preview assets in that meeting. We'll talk um, strategy on some bigger initiatives. Um, we'll get clarification. We'll ask some questions, but it's just it's a it's usually an afternoon once a month where we, you know, we sit down with Pastor Steven and we just, we talk about the creative side of the church. What are we doing? Where are we going? How are we doing it? Is it right? We evaluate stuff. So that's, it's a good meeting and he, he loves the creative side to the church. So he has a lot of fun, not just contributing, but you know, if he's going to be in the meeting, he's probably going to drive a lot of stuff because he's, he's excited about it. He's passionate about it. But at the same time, he really does a nice job of walking that line of saying, I know I could come in here and just kind of take over this meeting, but I also need you guys to feel like you're bringing good stuff to the table. Um, you're prepared when we come in so we can have really informed, educated conversations.
0: That's really cool. That's really cool. Uh, yeah. Well, we've got about five minutes left here. Cool. so I don't know that we're going to be able to get really deep into this, so we may have to just see if we can get you back on the show uh, at some cool. point. Yeah, uh, sure. Let me know. But the uh, your creative process. Yes. So uh, and it probably varies depending on which one of the different areas we're we're referring to, um, but uh, I guess if we can we can delve into that just a little bit. Um, and maybe even, maybe even from a high level view, you, you've been at Elevation now for a deck over a, or a decade, a little more than, um, yeah. and just kind of how things have changed from when you first started to today. And I realize that's a big question, but maybe if you could uh, j- dive into that just a little bit.
2: Sure. So when we started, we were much more, um, I mean, you like everybody, you have to you have to work what you have. I mean, Pastor Steven has preached this in our church from the very beginning, like work what you got, work what you got, work what you got. And what we had at the very beginning was one graphic designer. and then we had one graphic designer in me. In fact, we hired one graphic designer. Uh, let me think about these numbers. I don't know if I'm gonna get this exactly right. I just I just looked at this the other day. We made our first creative department hire, and it was a graphic designer. And this would have been like uh, I don't know a year in, so we probably would have a thousand people or something like that. And then uh, no, in fact, we had one we had one person until we hit about 2,000 two thousand or twenty five hundred people. That's what it is. So for people who feel like, man, I don't have a big team, I can't make this work. Well, we had one graphic designer until we were almost twenty five hundred people, and we made it work. Now there were a couple other people who could volunteer and a couple people who just they had some skill and we made it work we pieced it all together but you have to do what you can do with what you have over time we made you know another four or five hires in the next year and we started to build from there but the process early on was like everybody's going to do a little bit of everything and I mean it's so common for for churches to to describe their situation that way what we've had the luxury of doing as we've grown is add, obviously, to the numbers. But now we have people who are a lot more specialized in what they do. So our process is – I'm, I'm going to give you a generic process, and it's really not unique to us. It's really just generic creative process. But we try to adhere to this the best that we can. Sometimes we scramble because we get behind in production, or sometimes we just you know oversight and we don't manage the schedule and the calendar well. But generally, um, a brief starts everything, and a brief really just has to answer one question. What problem are we trying to solve? If you've got a brief that answers that question, you probably have enough to get running. Um, but if you can answer, what problem are we trying to solve? Uh, what's the tone? What's the uh, message we're trying to deliver? Who are we talking to? How do we want to talk to them? When do we want to talk to them? Um, how does this work in the programming? I mean, you can take a brief and really, really build the thing out. But at the very least, if you can answer, what's the problem we're trying to solve? And let's just, let's just say... Um, Uh, let's say it's a promotional piece and you're trying to get people to come to Christmas since it's, you know, end of the year. So the problem we're trying to solve might be, and I always try to put it in first person so you can empathize with the person that you're you're creating for. Why would I go to church this Christmas? Maybe that's it. So it's a, it's a first person problem. And if I say that's the brief, solve that problem. Now you've got teams that we just basically, and we hired to be creative people. So go out and create, solve that problem. Why would I want to come to church this Christmas? And they might put together a promo that makes Christmas – because you can you can solve that problem or answer that question a hundred different ways. You can say, uh, well, you should come because you know you go, to Christmas, you go to church every Christmas, and it's the one time of year that you go, so don't miss it. <laughs> you can take that angle. You can say, our, our worship experience is going to be so hot that you're going to want to be here. You can make it so intriguing that someone's like, man, I can't miss it. You can say, we're going to build an incentive, invite a friend, and we'll give them a free T-shirt. I mean, I'm just making stuff up, but you could do anything you want. You could say, we're going to do an invitation. So bring a friend and make sure that, um, uh, you know that we're going to invite people to give their lives to Christ. Different things motivate different people, but you figure out how to solve that problem. So if we put that brief out there, we would break up into different teams. And you really, I mean, any team ideally would be an art director and a, and a copywriter. Well, it's not like you have 10 art directors and 10 copywriters on any staff. Mm -hmm. So somebody has to play the role of both um, sometimes. So you have somebody who's like a, a campus pastor who gets to be um, a copywriter because they're like, well, I could probably come up with something that would work for, for this team. They come up with what they want to the message they want to deliver. And they kind of fumble through the art direction, but they come up with the pitch that solves that problem. Well, now if you've got four or five different pairs or teams that are working on these different pitches, then literally, those teams come in and then they pitch. So we would have a, a a meeting where it literally is a pitch meeting, where people come in and they they pitch their ideas. And we say, you got five minutes. Pitch at whatever level you think is appropriate. All you need to do is make sure that this makes sense. So you need me to feel like if I'm if I'm on the receiving end of your pitch, I need to be I need to think, man, that is good. I need to see more. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in order to get there, you have to like build it out a little ways. You have to create an animatic. You have to write a script. You have to um, uh, play something on the acoustic. You have to show me visual references, anything. Your goal is to get me to, to want to see more a little bit like an interview. You know, mm-hmm. you don't, you don't necessarily, um, you don't necessarily, uh, win a job with a resume. You want a call back with your resume. Well, that's a little bit of what we're doing with the pitch. If you nail the pitch, we might just say right there on the spot, done, you're hired. Let's do this. But typically it's like, yes, I love that. I want to see more. And so if, if 10 pitches came in, then we might take three or four of those and say, cool, let's go to round two with these, build them out even more, and take them to a place where we can visualize the final piece. And then at that point, if the piece is great, then we'll go into production and build it out and try to make it work with the schedules. Now, again, it sounds nice and neat as if you're only working on one project at a time, but you know, concurrently, there are – who knows? We could be working on 100 projects at the same time, literally, that are sitting in queue in our project management system some of them have to be done right now some of them are for the worship experience some of them are for a campus some are mailers or emails that are getting sent out and you've got different lead times on all of them so you're trying to figure out how do you manage all these things concurrently and this is where I would say we just we really have a good team that that they're smart about how they use their time they have a lot of freedom in how they use their time a lot of liberty so i mean i might see eight people from the creative team playing ping pong in the middle of the day but i don't mind as long as they're still delivering And it's seasonal. Sometimes we deliver better. Sometimes we, you know, we'll struggle to manage our time well, but um, everybody's good at receiving feedback. And so as long as we stay there, then I'm okay going in and out of seasons. And Pastor Steven's good about saying, cool, manage the team and make sure we're still performing at the highest level. And um, don't be afraid to, um, to switch things up if you need to. But generally, if we follow that format for the creative process, we'll get there. We'll, we'll solve the right problems, and if people know what they're trying to accomplish, then you can actually release people to go solve problems versus just creating things that I, as the creative pastor, tell them to do. I'm like, no, do this, do this, do this. Again, why do I need them? I should just go get some minimum wage guys and and have them do exactly what I want. But if I actually believe that I don't have all the answers and that some of the best answers are going to come from the people that we don't expect to deliver them, cool, then creative people should go create and we should have a system that's set up that gives them freedom to create and also is realistic enough that we can um, refine thoughts and pitches and ideas in the process and then land on the best things.
0: Man, that's fantastic. I know you got to jump off here. If If you don't mind maybe a closing thought here for somebody that's listening right now and just thinking, man, this is amazing information. Where do I start?
2: Sure. I would, I mean, it, it's a little bit of what I said just a moment ago, and it's just something that we preach from the top down. Pastor Steven would say it. Every supervisor would say it. And I think every person on our staff would be able to, um, would be able to say it. Do the absolute best you can right now with what you have, because so many of us live in this, like, if I only had, then I would. Um, and this like, if then paradigm is just like so unhealthy, because you start dreaming about all the things you would do if you had all these resources. You start dreaming about all these things you could do if you could like live outside the box, but you don't live outside the box. You have real parameters, and sometimes your parameters are you've got one person on your team or you've got three volunteers, and that's it. And if that's all you have, then you got to figure out how to make it work with what you have. And you know the, the, the consolation in all that is, I guess I just don't believe that God has set any of us up to do work in the local church without equipping us. I think sometimes the equipping looks a lot different than we imagined. We think it's eight hires and he's like, well, you've got some really talented designers in your church and they should probably volunteer and you better go do the legwork and figure out how to get them involved or else I'm going to give the responsibility to somebody else who's willing to go do what they need to do. And um, if you, I, I guess for us, I mean, we try to live by that, do what you can with what you have. And we get totally caught up in it. And we have moments where we feel entitled and feel like, like man i can't believe we don't have this but then if you stop and look around you're like wait a second we have more than most people have in their you know entire uh, ministry career so it's it's real hard to ever get into that mindset but that's part of my job i think more than anything is coaching people on perspectives mindsets attitudes i feel like the team's probably more creative than i'll ever be so if i can lead them well then that's probably the where i make the best contribution these days
0: that is fantastic. Larry, uh, this, this interview has been incredible. If folks cool. want to get in touch with you, what is the best way to go about that?
2: Yeah. I mean, social media is probably the easiest at Larry Hubatka everywhere. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, obviously you can email us anytime at the church, just info at Elevation Church or, uh, my email is first initial last name. So L Hubatka at elevationchurch.org. Um, I always try to respond quickly and, and, um, uh, love to get to know people who are doing good work. Cause the the reality is we might be a church of, of, um, you know, a large church right now that's been doing this for 10 years, but some of the best inspiration for me still comes from talking to people who have 300 people in their church, because in a lot of ways they still have the, like the fire and they're still taking the risks that we took early on. And I like to believe we're still taking, but man, there, there, there's something that comes with growth that, that, sometimes makes you a little gun shy because you feel like man there's more to risk now there's more to lose and i feel like i need to talk to to somebody who's a year in and say man tell me what you're doing that you're really excited about because i get as inspired by that as i do anything
0: that's incredible larry thank you so much for joining us on the show
2: today. yeah no problem jared thanks for the invite
1: can't wait to have you back on cool Hey, thanks so much for listening to this Creative Sheep podcast today. If you enjoyed this as much as we did, if you don't mind dropping by iTunes and Stitcher, uh, whichever one you use, and jump on there and give us a review, that would be amazing.
0: We would very much appreciate it. And while you're there, go ahead and subscribe. We've said it before. We'll say it again. Uh, You may think you're subscribed, but maybe you just grabbed one episode. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button. Um, Make sure you stay up to date with the other amazing uh, guests that we're going to have with us this year. We've got an incredible lineup already for 2016, and we are just getting started.
1: Hey, Jared, I have a question. Yeah, is uh, is the Creative Sheet Podcast? Is this the only place that we're on the internet?
0: Oh, absolutely not. Oh, really? Uh, no, no, not at all. Uh, we are on Instagram. Tell me more. Twitter. Uh huh. Facebook. Wow. Uh, and we're we have our own website do we we do <laughs> creativesheep.org you can check us out join the conversation on twitter instagram or facebook we'd love to hear from you and as always you can email me jared at creativesheep.org again that's jared at creativesheep.org if you want to say hi uh, suggest a, an interview that you'd like to hear or uh, or uh, that you don't like one of our hosts feel free to uh, drop, us a, wow. drop us a
1: note was that directed at me that, that was not was it though Maybe a little. I think we should wrap this
0: thing up. Let's get out of here. Folks, thanks so much. Leave a review, subscribe, and we will see you
1: next time. Happy 2016.